Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson, and today I'm going to get started previewing the Lions playoff opponent, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here's what I have to say about stopping the Bucks' offense. Things you need to understand about the Tampa Bay offense that have changed since last we had this discussion. And for those of you who did not hear that discussion, here's how it went in a nutshell. Baker was on pace for 30 touchdowns. This wasn't the garbage heap the Browns thought they were throwing him on. He also only had two interceptions in the first four games, and he ended the season with 28 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. So he stayed roughly on the same pace he started, but there was a big dip in the middle. And we're now dealing with a hot Baker Mayfield with a chip on his shoulder. Never good. (laughs) Uh, Their offensive coordinator was just starting his first season as an NFL OC and had helped Geno Smith and Russell Wilson reach their highest highs as professional quarterbacks. I will be absolutely flabbergasted if he is not a head coach a month from now. (laughs) There's, there's just, there's no way with that, track record of having been those two guys quarterback coaches when they did their best work I just don't see how it's possible that anyone could not snap this guy up in a rebuild particularly if they had a super high draft pick and were going to take one of the five first round quarterbacks this year Uh, Mayfield had the most touchdowns highest completion percentage second lowest interception percentage and highest passer rating of his career and he threw for over 4,000 yards for the first time uh, because this is a Lions podcast, Goff threw for more yards, more touchdowns, but also more interceptions. But he fumbled fewer times than Mayfield did by the same amount, so they had the same number of turnovers. Honestly, there are a lot of parallels between our QB and theirs. Uh, dumped after leading their original team to playoff success. Generally regarded as done by NFL pundits before finding success with their new team right guy for the offense that they are running, but maybe not every offense in the NFL. So like, I don't think Mayfield is going to be the reason that the Bucks lose this game. To be frank, he does what they want him to do in the way that they want him to do it right now. And their offense is entirely designed around what he can do and does do well. Sort of like Detroit's offense is built entirely around what Jared Goff is capable of, as as it should be, as any sane offensive coordinator would do, yet somehow half the league doesn't get this memo every single year. Uh, here's the key with Mayfield this week is like, just don't give him a reason to be mad. Uh, a motivated Baker Mayfield is terrifying. <laughs> he uh, He seems to be one of those players who like 
actively feeds off the disrespect he feels that other people have given him, so just, like, don't give him any bulletin board material. Be nice in the media this week. Talk about how great he is and how much you respect him and all that he's gone through and all that he's accomplished. If C.J. Gardner-Johnson is listening, which he obviously is not, <laughs> but if he happens to hear this, maybe just, like, sit out this week's press galleries, man. Don't rile up Baker, please. <laughs> um, if there has been a weakness in his game this season, it's been in man coverage. Just basically all of his counting stats are lower in man coverage situations. Uh, but this is a Lions podcast. And again, the one thing I don't ever want the Lions to do at any point is try to cover Mike Evans in single man coverage. Um, so that's the first key. I feel like, a broken record saying this because I know the Lions are probably never going to listen to me um, for some reason. Uh, but Mike Evans needs a ridiculous amount of attention. He's the guy, the single guy who can make this by himself a bad day for the Lions defense. Evans has been one of the league's most deadly red zone and deep threats for a decade at this point. Like if you're watching this show, you should be familiar with Mike Evans. He's exactly what teams who drafted players like T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, or Chase Claypool in the 2020 draft were hoping that they were getting. Spoiler alert, when I'm doing free agent content this offseason, three of the names I have mentioned at the wide receiver position are going to feature prominently in the discussion of ideal signings that the Lions could make. And the other one is Chase Claypool. If you think that guy has more than a 0% chance of ever being signed by a Brad Holmes or Dan Campbell team, I don't know what you've been watching for the last three years. Anyway, back to Evans. He gives the Bucks a weapon on the outside that most passing games only wish they had. But he's not the only dangerous player on their roster in the passing game. Like, the Bucks were middle of the league in most passing categories overall. Uh, they're... they're Attack as a whole isn't really that spectacular. Uh, Mayfield playing with the Browns never really had a lot of counting stats. That's why basically he set highs in everything this year. By design, the Browns play in Cleveland, not Tampa. They have to run the ball more to have any hope of winning. That's just a fact. Um, but anyway, like the Bucks. We're middle of the league, but it's not because they lacked receiver talent. Like Chris Godwin actually led the Bucks in receptions this season, and he added 1,024 yards to Evans' 1,255, which means those two guys were more than half of the Bucks' passing attack. And that's why I don't really love this matchup. I didn't love it that week either, and they only ended up giving six, giving up six points. But I don't love this matchup for the Lions because those are two guys who can win against basically whatever coverage you put in front of them. The Lions corners can't handle this by themselves. They just can't. We watched the Eagles try to act like they had to lead cover guys when they didn't. And if the Bucks could catch that day, <laughs> that game would have been over at halftime. You still have to cover everyone like Kate Auten ended up being the actual leading receiver in that game for the Bucks tight end not that many catches this year but the dangerous thing that the Lions need to handle is these two outside receivers 
The Bucks finished the season as the league's worst rushing attack, so staying in nickel is a key, as it always is. Even dime as much as possible, frankly. Uh, the reason you spend on the positions that deal with the running game more than the passing game, like defensive tackle and linebacker, is not to have to apply additional players to run support. This is a, a thing... Like I've, I've said this for years, if you want to stay in nickel or you want to play in dime defense a lot, you need to draft defensive tackles and linebackers to do that. And not three techniques who rush the passer, not linebackers who run four three forties. Your 330 pound guy who gets you to third down is more important than the 285 pound guy who comes in only on third down to play inside. And side note here for those incapable of understanding any level of nuance intuitively, I didn't just say you should pay the 330-pound guy $20 million a year to stop the run. Anyway, the Lions big boys not named Ali McNeil need to have a day here. Or if they're using the smaller guys, those boys need to have a, a day. Uh, like if John Kaminsky is the guy who clogs up the middle, great, somebody did it. Um... Just somebody has to so that the Lions can play three safeties as often as humanly possible. And I am counting the nickel as a safety here, as that is kind of Brad Branch's natural spot away from the nickel. If he gets moved anywhere, it is always going to be to a safety spot, not a, not outside corner. But that's a completely different gig. And the Lions move their guys around. Anyway, frankly, it's possible that Kaminsky and Pascal can get it done because the Bucks' interior offensive line is terrible. Like, that's the Achilles heel of this offense. Tristan Wirfs and Luke Gadecki are good offensive tackles on the edge. Good enough that the Bucks might even make the mistake of not doubling Aiden Hutchinson, which would be super cool. <laughs> He's on fire right now, and a half a football where the Bucks decided to let him victimize the right tackle could be enough for the offense to put this game away. However, if the Bucks are smart enough to help their tackles, the Lions need to get that stunt and twist game going uh, because none of those three guys up the middle for the Bucks has any hope of slowing Aiden Hutchinson down in any way, shape, or form if they're left in space with them. Basically, whatever it takes, the Lions need to avoid giving Baker Mayfield time in the pocket like he had in their first meeting like James Houston's return would be massive in this game if he can actually like play whatever it takes for the Lions to do that like literally any means necessary uh, Baker missed a bunch of open deep balls in the first matchup and that's the reason the score was what it was like he missed enough of them that hitting them would have flipped the score the other way by a wide margin if they try to get the ball deep, Baker needs to end the rep in the dirt. <laughs> so, you can't rely on Baker Mayfield to make mistakes to take his team out of the game right now. He's just not doing it. Which means you actually need to put resources into stopping his best receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Which you can do by playing nickel and even dime defenses on early downs. But to do that, you need to be able to stop the run out of those personnel groups, which the Lions can do 
because the Bucks' interior offensive line is terrible. So Kaminsky and Pascal might actually be able to hold up in the middle beside Aline McNeil. And those later personnel groups also give you the best chance of getting to Baker before he can get the ball deep like he did in week six. Because he's hitting those throws at this point in the season. And that is how the Lions D wins this game in the broad strokes. Tomorrow I'll tell you what the Lions need to accomplish on offense. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Lions. You've had enough of that shit.